We're glad you joined us today for Meeting with God. Meeting with God is the radio teaching ministry of Vertical Church in Columbus. We're in the middle of a series from the book of Ecclesiastes called Ask Hard Questions. And today we're going to listen to the first part of the message called Pleasure, Appetizer of Heaven. I want you to think of these two words, pleasure and God. Now, most people would say, aren't those like, uh, like opponents or antagonists? Or Those two don't mix. They're like oil and water. God and pleasure, really? Could those two possibly go together? Really, God is the one that created pleasure. God offers pleasure full of beauty and joy without the side effects or the aftertaste. And what I want to look at tonight is God's heart for us, really a theology of pleasure. Now, last week we were talking about suffering, suffering. Maybe after last week you're saying, well, what even is the purpose of this world? Shouldn't we be praying Uh, Come, Lord Jesus, get me out of here. Get me out of here. I've had enough of this world. I want to get out of here and onto eternity, onto heaven, onto things that are better. And to that I would say, amen. But not so fast. Because when we have an attitude of just get me out of here and get me into heaven, now certainly there's so much waiting for us that's so much that's good. And yet there are things in this life that are good that God wants us to see and to enjoy and to be grateful for. And that's my heart for us tonight, that we are going to grasp a theology of pleasure. Now, if you're not there already, let's go to Ecclesiastes chapter 2 and verse 1. Again, we're continuing our series called Ask Hard Questions. God is not afraid of hard questions. God invites us to ask hard questions. I've said this before many times. I believe in a thinking faith. And if you're going to have a thinking faith that asks hard questions about hard realities in this world, if we're going to have a thinking faith, we're going to have to ask some hard questions. And some of you are like, well, I don't know, can God handle it? Uh, yeah, he can. Sometimes we choose to have a weak or too simplistic of a faith, and I believe that God wants us to be growing deeper in a thinking, a wise, understanding faith. And that's why we're in Ecclesiastes. Let's begin reading. Solomon's going to lay out the question for us. He says in chapter 2, verse 1, he said, I said in my heart, come now, I will test you with pleasure. Enjoy yourself. But behold, this also is vanity, or as I've said, temporalness or temporal. Certainly all pleasure is temporal. And I said of laughter, it is mad, and of pleasure, what use is it? Now that is our question for tonight. Pleasure, what use is it? Does God even want it? Does God just tolerate pleasure? Is he really into pleasure, or is he just kind of like, if you have to, have a little pleasure? What is God's heart? After this, as Solomon begins to think on this, he really lays out what he did with his whole life. 
some of the greater achievements. And he begins to list off thing after thing, whether it was an achievement, he did all kinds of building, all kinds of learning, all kinds of amassing the greatest wealth uh, in the history of the nation of Israel. He had gold. It says that silver was so common, it was like gravel in Jerusalem because of all of the wealth that had been amassed as a result of all of his efforts and business dealings. But then he says at the end, and he goes on to all kinds of pleasure, even some pleasure that was going to get outside the boundaries of even what God wanted his people to do. But then he says in verse 10 of chapter 2, And whatever my eyes desired, I did not keep from them. And I kept my heart from no pleasure, for my heart found pleasure in all my toil. And this was my reward for all my toil. Then I considered all that my hands had done and the toil I had expended in doing it. And behold, all is temporal and a striving after the wind. And there's nothing to be gained under the sun. Now, that's kind of a killjoy mentality right there. We'll start on that low note. But think about it. Everything that we, if I were to ask you to list your top 10 pleasure list, most of them would be fairly similar, but whatever's on your top 10 pleasure list, every one of those things outside of God and his word is temporal. It's temporal. It's fleeting. It's going to be gone. And when you're gone, it for sure will follow you to the grave. It's temporal. It's like wind. Think about this. Humanity, our country in particular, but humanity is ever on the search for the new pleasure high. If I could just get that kind of car, then there would be pleasure. If I could just cook like that, if I could just meet someone like that, then I would, I would reach a new high, and everybody's always searching for the new high, and it's kind of like when you give your kids some candy, they get a rush, and then they crash. But see, God doesn't want us to be enjoying pleasure only to crash. The difference about biblical pleasure is that it should lead to a sense of stability in pleasure or lasting sense of pleasure, even if it's only in this life. And maybe you're thinking like Solomon, well, what is God's perspective on pleasure? Why is pleasure so temporal and often so unsatisfying? Why is it? Why is it I, I, I seem like I'm always chasing something, but I never quite catch it? Like the dog running after the car and, and always chasing cars, but never catching the car. I wonder if the dog ever thinks what it'd like to catch the car. What are you going to do with the car? Chasing, 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 never satisfied. We'll look down in chapter 2 to verse 23. Obviously, we talked about suffering last week. I'm not going to remind us of that. But in verse 23, he's been looking at a couple different things. And he says, for all his days, all the person's days are full of sorrow. And his work is a vexation. Even in the night, his heart does not rest. This also is vanity. But after he says this, he turns a corner, verse 24, and he says, there is nothing better for a person 
than that he should eat and drink and find enjoyment in his toil. This also I saw is from the hand of God. For apart from God, who can eat or who can have enjoyment? Now, literally, this word here in verse 24, where it says, uh, enjoyment, enjoyment, find enjoyment in his toil. Literally, that word in the Hebrew is two words combined. It's to see good or see tov. The word tov, if you think about this theologically, if you go all the way back to Genesis, in the beginning of Genesis, that word tov, God creates. And then he says, it is tov, it is good. And then he goes to the next thing and creates, and it is tov, it is good. And all the way down through all of creation, it is good. So what Solomon is saying here is that God gives us the ability to go back and see good in a broken world. I want to just challenge you, if you're here discouraged tonight, if you're maybe even in despair, if you're uh, seeing life as kind of the person who there's always a hole in the bottom of their cup, and maybe there's some discouraging or painful things for you, and we'd love to pray for you in that. That's something that's a real need. That's what we talked about suffering last week. But God does not want us to stay there. He wants us to see some things. Now look back in verse 25. He says, for apart from him, who can eat or who can have enjoyment? Now the interesting thing is when he says it this time, that word have enjoyment is three words. It's see tov, but it's see soul good. You know, there's something rich when God allows us to not just do things that are pleasurable, but to find soul meaning or soul satisfaction in it. You see, that's where God wants us to go with this. God wants us to have a theology of pleasure so that what we experience when we experience his good things, when we see the good that he has given us in the world, it leads us to a place of soul satisfaction. I love what he says here. He says, for it is from the hand of God. Here's the first of five thoughts I want us to think about tonight. We need to see the hand of God in pleasure. We need to see the hand of God in pleasure. It's as though God wants us to have fun or something. Think about that. Some of us think, oh, we'll go to church, that's drudgery. We'll go have fun the rest of the weekend. I hope that when you go have fun the rest of the weekend, you realize that God is the one that's having fun with you and wanting you to have fun. Listen, God should spur you toward pleasure, not away from it. How you say? Do you realize that many times what you see, you choose to see? There are some people that are, say, two different individuals, and they look at the same happening or the same um, item or meal cooked or event or concert. One person chooses to see good. The other person chooses to see some mess, some critique, something wrong with it. Often what you see is what you choose to see. Now, I don't want to overplay that. 
But I believe what God wants us to do tonight is God wants you to lift your eyes for a moment, not to ignore suffering, not to ignore things that are bad, not to ignore a broken world that's real, but to also lift your eyes and see good and see grace and see the gospel, and see all the good that God has created. Because here's what I want you to do. God has not just created this world for some good to sort of get us by. Literally, good in this world is an appetizer of what's to come. It's an appetizer. Now, I like appetizers. And if it's a really good restaurant, sometimes the appetizers are better than the entrees, right? So you just order three appetizers. But that's generally not the case. Generally, there's, it's nice to have an appetizer because when you're starving hungry, you're like, just get anything in front of me. It'll be great. But when you go to a restaurant, there's some really good appetizers. But that never replaces what's coming later, right? What you're way, really waiting for is the entree. And in the same way, when we look at pleasure, it should draw our attention. It should whet our appetite for what is coming later while enjoying it. That's my mistake. When an appetizer comes, I'm so hungry, I just whip right through it too fast. I don't even really enjoy it. And that's kind of how we treat some of the good things that God gives us. We blaze right through them without thoroughly enjoying them as God intended. This is Pastor Luke Aarons. Maybe you've been listening to Meeting with God and wondering, how can I embrace the gift of salvation and follow Jesus Christ? Or I have some questions about Jesus and the journey of faith. We would love to answer any questions you may have or help you in taking the next step of faith. Let me encourage you to visit our church website, verticalchurch.life, or visit one of our weekend services in Columbus near Route 315 and Henderson Road. Now let's look a little bit deeper here. Solomon's going to continue this theme of stating something that's difficult and then drawing us to pleasure. If you notice in chapter 3, verse 11, he says that he, God, has made everything beautiful in its time. He also has put eternity into man's heart so that he cannot find out what God has done from the beginning to the end. Does anybody here ever get frustrated about, I just wish I knew what God was trying to do. I just wish I knew when Jesus was coming. That That would be great. But scripture says we don't get that answer. I just wish I knew when God's going to open this door. I wish when I knew when God is going to touch my child's life. Or I, I wish I knew, I wish I knew. And listen, there's a lot of things that God doesn't let us know for a lot of reasons. It's part of walking by faith. But then he continues. He says, verse 12, But I perceive that there is nothing better for them than to be joyful and to do good as long as they live, and also that everyone should eat and drink and take pleasure in his toil, for this is God's gift to humanity. Now, if you skip over to uh, chapter 5, verses 18 through 20, same thing. He talks about darkness and vexation in verse 17. Chapter 5, verse 18, he says, Behold, what I have seen to be good and fitting is to eat and drink and see good or enjoyment in all the toil with which one toils under the sun the few days of his life that God has given him, for this is his lot. Everyone also to whom God has given wealth and possessions and the power to enjoy them and to accept his lot and rejoice in his toil. This is the gift of God. 
For he will not much remember the days of his life because God keeps him occupied with joy in his heart. Do you not see grace there? So many times God fills our life with good things. Sometimes we don't always see them, but God is constantly pouring good things into our lives. Now I want you to see this. Notice that it says in these last two passages that Uh, That these pleasures that we experience in life are a gift from God. They're a gift. Here's the second thought I want us to really think through tonight is the fact that we need to accept, accept the grace of God toward you in temporal pleasures and the ability to enjoy them. The gifts, the gifts that God gives us are not God. The gifts draw us into God in gratitude and joy. Now, some of you, look up here for a minute. Some of you grew up in very conservative, I'm going to say borderline legalistic churches. Okay, and I had some of that influence when I was a kid. If you don't know anything of what I'm talking about, good for you. But if you grew up in a church like that where we don't do this and we don't do that and we don't do this or that and you better not do that. If anybody finds out you did that. Now in contrast to that is this something that probably almost everyone knows who follows Jesus Christ that there's some things that are out of bounds. Think about things we'll call it hedonism. Living for pleasure, where pleasure is not just something I experience, it is the reason for my existence. Now, most Christians would say, oh, that's totally, that's, that's not where it's at. That's idolatry. That's what it is. Hedonism on one end is idolatry. Now, as I've said many times, and I'll say it again, living biblically is staying on the road, and usually when there's a road to stay on, there's a ditch on one side, and there's a ditch on the other side. Now, when it comes to pleasure, the one ditch is hedonism. I live for pleasure. I live for comfort. I live for the rush of something new that makes me feel good and feel happy. That's where we take the good things of God and make them into idols. Now, the contrast to that, and this is where I would speak to those of you who have maybe grown up in a more legalistic environment, and that is a term uh, called asceticism. Now, what is that? That is the, you might say, rejection of or the putting away of anything that makes me feel good. Now, there's a whole thread through the church, sadly, of people who said, oh, we're not going to do that. We're above that. We're not into pleasure. It really goes back to some Greek philosophy. That's interesting to me. If you uh, have your Bible, uh, keep a finger in Ecclesiastes, but turn over to First uh, and Second Timothy in the New Testament. Go to First Timothy chapter four. Again, we have two sides of this road. On the one ditch over here is hedonism or pleasure at all costs. Second uh, Timothy chapter three verse four says Paul said that there would be 
people who would be lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. Certainly, if you love pleasure instead of God, you're going to be in one ditch. But then there's the other ditch. And 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 3, Paul wrote to Timothy, he said, Now the Spirit expressly says in the latter times that some will depart from the faith by devoting themselves to deceitful spirits and teachings of demons. Wow. That's pretty serious. Verse 2. Through the insincerity of liars whose consciences are seared, who forbid marriage and require abstinence from foods that God created to be received with thanksgiving by those who believe and know the truth. Now, was Paul... Under the ministry of the Spirit, has that really happened in the church? Are there segments who would claim Jesus Christ who have, who forbid marriage and abstain from certain foods? Yes, it's the Catholic Church. Now, before we get on our high horse and say, oh, well, how, why don't they read their Bibles in that section, okay? Let's remember that many people in the evangelical church also embraced a a legalism of putting a boundary around what God says. So not only are we not going to get drunk, we're not going to drink. No one should drink. Now that's again going for the other ditch. Now some people wisely choose not to drink. I'm one of those, but there's a reason for that. I have a family history of drunkenness. But my wife drinks, other people around me drink. I have no problem with that. And here's what we need to be careful of. Listen, one of the things that will cut at our ability to enjoy pleasure biblically is when we either go all head in on it and it becomes our God, or we push off things and act like God hasn't given us these gifts and essentially reject the gifts that God has allowed in his word. Now, what's on the road? Well, biblical pleasure... Biblical pleasure is working and accomplishing things. Biblical pleasure involves cooking great meals. Some of you can cook on a grill and you're awesome and you enjoy the experience of cooking and then laying it out for others to enjoy. Some of you can't cook and you need to go enjoy restaurants. Or think about the joy of vacation. The experience of pleasure for some of us, it's going up into the mountains and seeing the beauty of God's creation. For some of us, it's going down to the beach and just sitting and enjoying the waves. Those are good, pleasurable things. I'm going to take it a step further. Sexuality, sex is good in marriage, within the boundaries of marriage. It's a beautiful thing. And when people say, oh, we can't talk about that. Why not? God created it. It's beautiful. In fact, I would say to this to you, to those of you who are either single or maybe thinking about marriage at some point, save yourself for the one. Because pleasure is best experienced when you're a one-man woman or a one-woman man. Great pleasure comes when it's focused on one person, not one person with other images or multiple people. That's when the pleasure is actually lost, and you can look into that in 
psychology, and other places of study, when pleasure, sexual pleasure, is allowed to be all over the place, it actually amounts to less and nothing. Or think about the joy of and pleasure of watching a sports game or sewing, that's not me, reading some idea that opens your mind to new things and the joy of thinking on a deep level or being with friends and family. Listen, all the things that I just mentioned are not neutral. Hey, can I tell you, no matter what you're in, you can let the door open to the pleasures that God has for you. They're pleasures given by God that should lead us to thanksgiving and ultimately to worship. You see, when we embrace biblical pleasure, when we celebrate it and enjoy it and then thank the God that gives it to us, it draws us to the beauty of worship. God is a good, good father who gives good gifts. Thank you so much for listening to Meeting with God, the radio ministry of Vertical Church in Columbus, Ohio. If you missed part of today's message or would like to hear other messages from Pastor Luke Aarons, please visit our archive of Meeting with God radio programs at our website, verticalchurch.life. There you'll find a collection of past messages from God's Word, which you can listen to easily, as well as share with your family and friends. Also on our website, you can learn how to connect with Vertical Church personally if you're in Columbus or leave a prayer request. As always, we hope you'll join us here tomorrow at the very same time for your meeting with God. Meeting with God is the teaching ministry of Vertical Church Columbus. For more information, go to verticalchurch.life.